1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them
0: change you.
1: Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was
3: great advice,
1: but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do.
0: Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We are the Beatles.
3: Everywhere we went, it was the Freddy Show.
0: And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure.
3: New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcast.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week, we'll be discussing college esports. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice As all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Dr. Ray Pastor. He is an associate professor and the program coordinator for eSports and online teaching and learning as part of the instructional technology program at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Dr. Pastor is the faculty advisor for the school's eSports club He holds a PhD in instructional systems from Penn State. In addition to teaching, he's an active YouTube content creator and recently published his first book. Thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me, Justin.
2: My pleasure, you know. To briefly introduce the topic, we're now exploring college esports again. College esports has grown rapidly. There's currently over 200 colleges in North America that actively recruit and offer scholarships for esports. There's also a variety of undergraduate and graduate courses in the field. Some schools are offering full degrees or certifications. And the University of Oklahoma even has a shoutcaster academic development program. There's also a competitive college esports scene that is created, similar to college basketball or football, where schools compete against each other in a variety of leagues and tournaments for scholarships and prizes. Some of these leagues include the National Association of Collegiate Esports, TESPA, and Collegiate Star League. One of the largest esports college scenes is actually the College League of Legends scene that's run by Riot Games and has over 350 teams competing in the U.S. and Canada. In addition to the U.S., other countries have developed their own college esports community, including Brazil, France, Spain, and England. So now we know a bit about college esports. Tell us a bit about your esports and gaming past.
3: All right. So my past in esports, really, you know, my gaming, I started gaming when I was three, four years old. And most people you talk to in esports, it's the same kind of thing. They started when they were a kid. I, that was 1983 with Atari and Magnavox Odyssey 2. And then I had Nintendos, Sega's, Sonys, Xboxes, PCs, IBMs, Macs, Apples, pretty much everything throughout my whole entire life. Um, but, you know, competition didn't start. You know, when I was a kid, competition was playing around with friends in the backyard was, you know, hey, in my basement this morning, me and my buddies are all going to compete at whatever game we were playing the the day to get the highest score in Mario to see who could run through Contra the fastest. You know, that's where we started. But, you know, in college, it got a little more serious when uh, Halo was released and I started playing competitive Halo And then slowly over the last 10 years, have switched into League of Legends and have been playing that ever since.
2: Wow. So you're definitely, I kind of tapped in around Nintendo. I wasn't kind of part of the Atari day. So you definitely predate me a little bit on the gaming world. But, you know, it definitely sounds like you've been involved in it.
3: Yeah, for some odd reason, my parents thought it would be a good idea to buy a four-year-old an Atari and a Magnavox. I can't figure that out. I think it's because like the video game industry was having a rough patch in the early '80s, and they were really inexpensive and just they were trying to get rid of them. And my dad thought it was a good deal, so bought them for me.
2: <laughs> okay, well, you know, clearly it set you on this career path, and you know, now we're talking a little about what you're working on now. Tell us about the school's esports program. How did it start, uh, and why did you guys create it? Sure.
3: So basically, you know, we started. I, I thought, you know, UNCW, where I'm, I'm, I'm a professor at, we didn't have any kind of real gaming or esports activity happening. And I'd been slowly starting to see a few programs crop up in the US around like 2016, 2017. And I thought, okay, it's time. We, we've got us. I guarantee I have these students at UNCW. I would love to have. Local students to play with, a lot of my students were interested talking to me about video games. I was teaching game and design courses here at UNCW already. Um, so it was kind of a good fit, and uh, I got a couple of students together who thought that it would be a good idea, and we basically started an eSports club. From the club, we just expanded rapidly. We like this huge expansion where you know we have maybe three to five students and myself. And all of a sudden we connected with a bunch of other gamers who just all were all kind of looking for the same thing. And all of a sudden we, maybe a few weeks after starting the club, we had a tournament, a smash tournament with maybe 70 to hundred competitors. And then from there it was kind of, you know, it has blown up from there to where we are today.
2: So yes, I know the school offers an esports Stefia program. You know, what is that? What kind of benefits does it provide?
3: Sure. So we started the we started writing the curriculum uh, last year, and it's it's interesting writing courses for esports because there really isn't any programs. There's a handful of them in the U.S., and they're they're slowly there's becoming a lot more. But at the time when I was writing this, there was none. So I worked with a professional team. I worked with um, students who were competing. Some were semi pros or at the professional level. Um, I worked I, I knew the field as well, and we looked at research and put the courses altogether but it's an eSports performance and management certificate for undergrads and graduate students and basically the idea is that there's, it's, the certificate is six courses and the real idea is that a students get the all the knowledge they need in eSports in various fields such as management streaming, event coordination, coaching, facilitation, those kind of areas marketing and they also build a portfolio which is imperative to get a job these days, you must have a portfolio. In addition, we offer an internship in esports so the students can gain experience in the field. So really I'm giving them knowledge, a portfolio and job experience. And that could be, you know, their internship and the direction they take the esports certificate will be based on their interest. For example, if they're a student in marketing, they'll focus on esports marketing. If there are students in game design, they might focus on esports game design or streaming or whatever it happens to be.
2: Right. So it just kind of gives them this enrichment knowledge that really distinguishes themselves when they're maybe applying for jobs or just trying to get into the field.
3: Yeah. It gives them that, you know, foot in the door, gives them a nice portfolio and some actual work experience in the field so that when they get out and graduate from college and want to get a job, they have something to put on their resume.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I know you mentioned that you were developing this kind of course materials and curriculum. Is there anything that you think? might mean to be developed that hasn't, or that you think is going to be the trend that schools are going to start working on more specifically?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, when I, when I put this curriculum together, I put together just a base, a, a base of knowledge that other programs could pull from. So I could, I could potentially start to see, especially like in other fields, like start to see, you know, in esports, e-sports and working with sports management or working with health and athletics or eSports and you know computer science working together to develop like different kinds of programming type majors and even eSports and communications with the streaming, like adding having some kind of streaming degree where eSports is a component of that. So I think there's a lot of areas for expansion that eSports is tied to and I can definitely see colleges and universities starting up majors in these various topics.
1: You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. It's their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So
2: why is working with you know this demographic college ideal? What do you find the unique benefits of it?
3: Well, oh, you know, I personally, I love working with adults. Um, they're very receptive and there's a big difference between undergrad and graduate students. And I get to work with both. You know, it's a very interesting dynamic. I feel like graduate students are, are usually already working professionals. They, they have a goal in mind. They kind of know what they want. Whereas undergrads, it's a lot more of mentoring and coaching and really helping them find what they want or figuring out how to take their interests and provide put that into some kind of career whatever that may be like this is how you can make money from what you're interested in whatever that happens to be and i can push students in the right direction it's one of the things i love doing is is that mentoring helping them with their resume telling them how to get that first job how to go into an interview you know i love that part of it so i really enjoy doing that and that's that's what you get from that these age groups you know you don't really get that from middle school students for example
2: Right, exactly. They're not really that developed and they're not like worrying about career perspective and what they're going to do five years or three years from now. Sure,
3: sure. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So I know you mentioned that you were helping create the club team there. So are you involved in the recruitment process for the players on the teams or how does that whole process work?
3: Sure. So, you know, especially, you know, last year was our first full year of running the club, and we were having a lot of in-person tournaments, like intramural tournaments for the community and for our club. And then we started to form teams. And then boom, coronavirus hits. <laughs> so, you know, that obviously uh, may change things a bit. But, you know, what we've been doing is we essentially are looking for students in most of the popular esports games. and. For the most part, I'll find a student who's interested in League of Legends and they'll have two friends who are interested in League of Legends and those two students will have and all of a sudden we had like three League of Legends teams. <laughs> like we had enough people interested to have three teams. So, you know, we had basically looking at player statistics and times they're available for practice and how serious students are to commit to it and put together a team. And we had now have teams in Valorant, League of Legends, Overwatch, Overwatch. Um, Smash, even though Smash is an individual, we, we have a group who works and practices together, Rocket League, all the main teams. We have a Call of Duty team being formed for the new game that's going to be coming out anytime soon. And, uh, you know, as games become popular or as students show interest, we're going to have a team for that game. But it's really about student motivation and finding out, well, what do they want? What games are they playing? You know, if you came to me and said, I want to have a team in Halo and well we don't have anyone else really playing it but maybe there are some people out there on our discord who are interested or do you know anyone who's interested and let's I'll, I'll work with that student to help them put together a team and then we form team captains and the team captains really help kind of administrate the team
2: okay so it's not is it are the players kind of pros or semi pros or it's more students already at the university and they just have this interest in the competitive side of gaming
3: so at this point it's it's students who are at our university. We are playing with people in, in some instances where the tournaments don't require every student to be at the college who may be like at our local community college or something like that. We do have students at our university who are semi-pro or ranked very highly. You know, in Overwatch, they might be top 500, that kind of thing. Or, you know, in the top, oh one percent of all players and be ready to go pro. And they're playing with us um, on our team. They're UNCW students. But yes, that's where we're at. We're not at the point where we are offering students scholarships to come play League of Legends at UNCW yet.
2: Do you think but that's... our plan is to get there? Yes, okay. our plan is
3: to get there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's okay. the plan. I, I think just like any other sport, esports will definitely get there. I mean, I imagine that we have a, a bigger base than most college sports, besides football um, and maybe soccer and maybe a little bit of baseball. But like, I mean, I imagine esports is a bigger field than say cross country.
2: Yes, definitely. So yeah, so I, I, you kind of were touching on it a little, and I think this is something interesting to discuss. So, do you think there's going to be a development for you know standout high school players, or maybe you know semi pros or pros, former guys who didn't go to college, being kind of steered toward different programs? Is this a new business
3: that's going to maybe be developed? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think they already are to an extent. I think a lot of the a lot of the biggest schools that got in very early um, are definitely recruiting students, giving you know full time scholarship to come play esports and getting them a nice computer and all the great equipment that goes along with it, and basically setting them up. I mean, you know, if you look at free college as that's a contract right there. That's a could be fifty thousand dollars a year worth of you know pay. so it's it's a great deal for students, and I, I think it's definitely something that's going to be very common in the near future.
2: interesting, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree there. I think that as the prize money and as the Potential ties with the university, whether it's the more traditional brands like, oh, we're sponsoring the football team. Maybe we'll spend some money and get involved in the esports team because it isn't that much, and it gives us a new platform to provide our brand.
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, and I actually, so I was listening to um, another uh, administrator at another university, and they had on their college applications for fall twenty twenty had. Asked students why they were attending their university. And I guess it was a checkbox with like 30 different things a student could uh, uh, check, you know, reasons they chose that university. And one in three students who filled out that application out of their whole entire fall freshman class said they were going to that university because it had an esports program. So one in three. So when you talk about ROI, return on investment of an e- having an esports program, just from a marketing perspective, if it's convincing almost 30% of your population, it's giving them that nudge to say yes to your school. That's a pretty big deal.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a huge thing. And I think that as more colleges and universities are aware of this and they start to see, oh, wow, like we got a couple extra applicants that we might not have gotten because we have this unique outlet or they have the ability to network with other people that love League of Legends and kind of connect immediately at a university where you might not know anyone before.
3: Sure, absolutely. And you know as much as I don't want to see college be a business, I, I want to see it be an educational institution and about knowledge and gain and all that great stuff. At the end of the day, there is a budget. There are numbers. It is a business. And adding esports programs, the, the return on investment of getting 10 students a year might more than pay for an esports program that really might bring 100 students per year.
2: I think that's a really good point. Um, so shifting a little bit, I know
3: you have a YouTube channel. So tell us a little about it. You know, Why did you start it? Sure. So I do have a YouTube channel. And there are a bunch of cool esports videos on there. I've done like the history of esports and some stuff like that. Some really fun. I love, just love doing that kind of video. It's super fun. But uh, So I started this YouTube channel, if I look back at my videos, in 2009 <laughs> – really long time ago that's when i started being a professor maybe end of my phd starting to be a professor but i was teaching at the time and i started the channel because i had to develop a bunch of videos for my courses i was teaching online at the time and i started developing like tutorials on adobe photoshop or um you know how to do something in windows or how to how to do something in what was Adobe flash at the time or build a website. So I started creating videos on those kind of topics. And I, I continued to do that until about 2016, 2017 just kind of for my courses. And as I saw fit and I was having fun doing it, I loved creating tutorials on software and how to's and troubleshooting for my students. And then all of a sudden I started realizing like, whoa, I had like a couple hundred thousand hits on a couple videos. Um, And at that point, I thought, wow, this is like a real platform. And, you know, I'm I'm a professor. I publish peer-reviewed research a lot. And I realized, like, my journal articles would only have, like, 100 views. And a YouTube video of mine had, like, 250,000. And I couldn't get over that impact and the way that I could reach people. And so I really started to shift my YouTube channel from just the, uh, you know, tutorials to actually having content and topics that I was teaching about and interested in. And I just started really creating content about, you know, game development or instructional technology, which is the field that I'm in, which is really like e-learning and stuff like that, how to develop various kinds of e-learning and really just talking about various topics. And now I've gotten into, I do a lot of like, I'm, I'm a huge tech guy. I love tech. I love, especially like all the old retro techs. I do a lot of technology reviews. Um, I review like just all kinds of technology, like cameras and just all the stuff that I have in my lab that I get to play with and just give my opinion on it. I'm not paid to do it. So it's all for fun. Um, and yeah, I just, I love it. I love the media. I love video. It's great. I love everything about it. setting up the lighting, the backgrounds, the production. I love all the work. It's, it's fun. I don't look at it as work and I have a blast doing it, which is why I've been able to, I think I have like 700 videos now or something up there. It's a lot.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I think that the biggest example that you're kind of mentioning is like the passion and the enthusiasm, it doesn't make it feel like it's work. It's enjoyable. Like even with these podcasts, it's like, it's great to get to sit down and have like, you know, a 30, 40 minute conversation with someone and learn some new things about them and really let them kind of spotlight and shine about what makes them unique. and. I know your content kind of has some interview features. So, who are some notable people that you've interviewed in the past?
3: So, sure. So, I, you know, I started my the interview thing is something I've always wanted to do, but I was always nervous to get out there and just just ask someone to do an interview. I was kind of nervous. So, one of my so when coronavirus hit, one of my good friends is a disaster epidemiologist who is on, you know, working with the CDC, he's in charge of several hospitals to combat coronavirus. And he was like, I really need a platform to, uh, you know, talk about this to people. He's like, "He's like, you have a YouTube channel, you have a bunch of subscribers, would you be interested in interviewing me? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome, let's do it. And we did it and it went really well. It was a really cool interview. So I interviewed him. And then from there, it just kind of spiraled and i probably interviewed almost 20 people till now but there each one was a significant in its own way like i interviewed the guy who created pong he was the third employee at atari one of the co-founders um literally invented the game pong which in in some you know you look at the history of video games it was the game it started the video game explosion in the 70s like that was it he created it so you know i interviewed him i've interviewed uh, the guy who won the first esports competition in 1972, the first gaming competition in 1972, Bruce Baumgart. He 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 was in featured in Rolling Stone for winning it. So it's pretty amazing. Some of the people that I've gotten to reach out to and hear from, um, it's really cool. I interviewed the, uh, the the guy who basically came up with the term gamification, which is adding gaming elements to education and trying to incorporate games into learning. Like I, I got to interview him. He's the gamification God He wrote the book on it, literally wrote the book on it. Like I've gotten to interview some really cool people. So it's a lot of fun and pretty, pretty awesome.
2: Right. It's one of those things where the opportunity presents itself and you're just like, okay, I'll do it. And you see, you enjoy it. And then it just kind of, you don't look back.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things I tell people, like I'm asked a lot, like I, I help students develop websites and blogs and podcasts and all this great stuff. I mean, I had a podcast in like 1999 when there was no such thing as podcasts and it was really hard to create audio. I, but I had a I had a website where I had a bunch of audio clips of me teaching people how to troubleshoot their computers. <laughs> um, it was really a blog with podcasts on it, but there was none of that technology then. Um, But I tell people, I'm like, you, if you want to do this, you have to just love it. You do it for yourself and you can't do it like to get famous or to make money or to build this huge audience because it doesn't work like that. You have to enjoy doing it and love it, have this passion for it. And it'll work out in the end if that's why you are doing it.
2: Right. Like your enthusiasm and the kind of production value and the passion you're putting into it is what gravitates people to. And then when you have great content and engaging guests and you keep doing it, it really just grows. And then you get to the point where it's like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. And it's being successful.
3: Exactly. And and you know, with things like this, it's not always successful right away. And I think a lot of people will, like expect immediate success on a podcast. And, you know, like with my when I started my YouTube channel, and I was just creating videos for my students, it took like eight years before all of a sudden, I didn't even really, I never even looked at the stats. One of my videos just had a few hundred thousand views and that kind of like shocked me into like, wow, this is a real, this is a great platform. And I I hadn't really thought of it in this way. I just thought it was for like how to's, but it really is a way to reach people. And, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but if I would have just given up for that, you know, I would have never been able to, I continuously made videos in that whole time. I, I never gave up. I was never doing it for anyone, but my students.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, kind of to bring this all together, tell us a little bit about the future for the school's esports program. Where are you guys going the next six to twelve months and onward from there?
3: Sure. So my plan for UNCW Esports, so right now, as I said, we have a club, we have col- we have a our club has teams, we have and we have curriculum. So our next step is building us, getting a space. Space, sponsorship, partnership, technology. That's what we're looking for. That's, that's my job this year is to figure out how to, how to get that, whether that's through a grant, whether that's through partnering with various companies, whether that's through, you know, uh, some kind of donor who wants to see our program really, you know, taken to the next level. But right now we have a shared space and, you know, obviously we're not using it due to coronavirus, um, but we have a shared space with some limited tech and a lot of students are just using their own stuff. And a lot of this is we're doing it at home. And we really need a nice lab. We really need a place. You know, my goal at, at in, within Southeastern North Carolina is to create this place that we're seen as a place for esports, not just another esports program. I've been involving the community, you know, working with various community organizations. I've been working with the high schools, making them have their own teams, helping them set up, helping them do everything so that we have like a real network here. And my next step is to find sponsorship to put that all together.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think that you kind of have this certain feeling when you go in and you have all these great computers and setups and it's like you're a team really practicing together. It really kind of changes it from when you're just in your dorm room or in your house playing the game.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, my students would just go nuts if we had a place to actually call ours you know, and, and I don't call it mine or UNCW's. It's my students' place. It's their home. You know, it, it brings them together and really connects them. And they need that. They need that place that they can go to and play and practice and connect. And also brings us up to the varsity level of esports, which is what that brings us. It brings us into the varsity space and allows us to really compete at the highest levels in the college college leagues.
2: Absolutely. So, what's like the future of college esports? Kind of on the competitive side as well as the educational and academic world.
3: Yeah, so I think I think there's a couple things. So, I think that there's as far as esports itself goes, esports is going to grow. Every university is going to have an esports program, whether that's curriculum or whether that's an esports team. I think it's it's pretty much foreseen. I mean, we can see the trend. Every school is going to have this at some point. It's going to be similar to football, where some schools have huge programs and other schools do not. So that's coming. Students should expect that. It's 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 going to be it's that's a given. I, I 100% see that. Um, I think that universities are going to have to start asking themselves, figuring out really that return on investment of having the esports program. How do they figure out those numbers? I think it's one of the challenges in the sport is figuring out how do, you, how do you figure out at the college level how you're making money because you don't really charge people for things. So where is the ROI? Is it that marketing that we're recruiting students and getting them here because of our program? I think that's going to be a challenge for universities to figure out. Um, some other areas of connection with esports. For example, I mentioned streaming. Streaming in general and gaming are two areas within esports, very much so, but also they have their own part. You know, some of the top streamers out there stream video games, but they don't necessarily compete in video games. For example, Dan TDM or any of those guys. So I think there's a huge connection there that universities and esports programs need to make to the people who don't want to be competitive but still want to fit into this space. And so maybe esports and gaming programs are more more appropriate, um, but I think that's going to be something that is kind of figured out and works itself out. I mean, we call you know esports right now at, in universities and professionally is really the wild west. You know, a lot of things are happening, and what we see in five years is not what it's like today. It's going to be way different, bigger, and better. So you know, just preparing and and trying to see that future and what it's going to be like, and trying to be a step ahead so that you're prepared when it comes.
2: Do you see in you know five years from now having the college league of legends final at you know a huge stadium where the whole both of the schools are there and everyone's kind of rocking out the same way you would for an lcs
3: world championship i mean that would be awesome and i i could definitely see that i mean you know some people love think about college sports how some people love college sports just as much as professional or in some cases even more you know, I hear people say they love college football or whatever. People get into the NCAA championship. The, the, yeah, the, all the
2: bowl form. season.
3: Yeah. So I think that esports is going to head in that direction. We just need a little more organization. And, and I don't mean that the organization we have is bad. I mean, it just needs more support from the entire, all colleges, all colleges coming in and really supporting it and showing that. And it's, that's going to happen definitely, 100% that's coming.
2: So how big can college esports get and how does it
3: happen? Well, I think that it's, I I have a feeling, I mean, assuming that, you know, we, I can look on Twitch right now and there's probably one to 3 million people just sitting there watching people play right now. So I think that it can get as big as any college sport that's out there, including football or basketball, which are the two largest ones. I don't see why it can't get that big. And, in order to do that, it's just going to take it's going to take a while. I mean, college football didn't start overnight. There were many, many decades of these sports. We've got to remember, like any sport like football, baseball, basketball has some of them have been around for over a hundred years. And they had a lot of time to build that network and establish fans. And eSports has really, for a lot of people, is brand new today. They don't even know what it is and they're learning about it. There are probably a million people in the United States learning what esports is today. I mean, maybe that's an exaggeration of the number, but like talking to older adults or people who don't play games and just aren't familiar, they don't know what this isn't. So they're slowly learning about it. So it's, it's bringing in that appeal for all of them. In addition to all the people coming up or people who've played games forever and know everything about it. It's finding out where is the appeal for the people who might not know about it but want to go check out a tournament. Like how do we make it fun for them? How do we make it interesting for my parents, for example, know nothing about video games. But how would I make a tournament fun for them to watch? You know, what is it about football that makes it fun for the non-fan? And figuring out a, a, answering those kind of questions will really help propel esports to the next level.
2: Sure. Like how do you kind of bridge the middle? Like people that are just there because, oh, this is what everyone's doing. The whole campus is going to the football game. I might not sure. love Clemson football, but that's what there is to do. So I'm gonna put on my colors and my, you know, hat and jersey and have fun with it.
3: Absolutely. How do we create that the tailgate experience, the the food, the jerseys, the the clothes, the, the, all the gear that goes, the all the merchandise. Face. Yeah, all that stuff. How do, we, how do we start to get that and bring that into esports? And I think it's going to happen. I do see it happening at some of the larger programs. It's starting to happen like that. And I definitely see it happening everywhere. It's going to be just like all the other, all other sports. It's going to be, and maybe, maybe be bigger. I, I don't know, but I think I see the model right now. It's following what athletics have already done. They've paved the way for what we're trying to do. We can look at their models and improve upon them and copy them and and make them better. And you know we we have a model for how to do this. So it's really following that
2: absolutely. It's really like certain schools are known for, okay, you go to Duke or Syracuse for basketball. You go to you know Oklahoma or Alabama for football. And there's just these universities that have these, established folklore that draws extra people to them realistically that's what
3: esports seems that it's going to need to develop and will develop over time definitely and that's you know one of my goals building this program is i want to be i want to be a part of that program that is known as that great school for that which is one of the reasons i'm trying to really not just create a program at UNCW, but expand it to my whole community. So we're seen as this large network. We're seen as a hub for esports in Southeastern North Carolina, maybe the East Coast and maybe the United States. But I want to be seen as that. I want to get in early. I want to be known for it. I want to have videos on my YouTube channel about esports. So people are like, when they search esports on YouTube, college level, my name comes up and they're like, okay, UNCW, that's a cool place for esports. So it's, right. it's everything I can do to make that happen. I'm trying to do.
2: Absolutely. It's, you know, putting yourself in the position for, okay, we're going to be one of the chief innovators. We're going to do things that not everybody else is doing. We're yeah. going to create an amazing feedback, a professional development process, a great arena to play in and just try to develop something unique that will distinguish the school from everyone else in the space, as well as just all the other schools in general.
3: It's one of the reasons we started a curriculum and I got it off the ground as soon as I possibly could, because the curriculum is still very, very new. There's not many programs out there. It's, it's extremely rare. We're, I think, the only one in North Carolina right now and probably one of the only ones in the Southeast or in the East Coast. I know there were a few other trying to start up this year, and I think they held off because of coronavirus. So, you know, there's very few actual curriculums out there. That's the next part of this, the curriculum for people. And for us, it's the varsity space.
2: Absolutely. And there's even less, you know, written materials and scholarly articles and kind of real professional literature in the space that even these classes could be based on.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's very few books, very few, you know, researches is limited, but we have a lot of research on gaming. So we're able to pull from that field. And we have some books on gaming and we have books on sports. So it's like we have these great models and you know some research out there backing up what we're trying to do. So I think pulling from that and using it to make our case and really bring esports. And the other thing, you know, the whole other part of this that I mentioned earlier is just ensuring that what we're doing is what our students really want. You know, I I keep my I I was talking to someone earlier today and I told them I keep my students involved in every single step of the process. Every time I'm going into a meeting with administrators, I try to bring a student who's involved in esports at my university. I'm consistently trying to involve them in every step of this so that they have a say, they have stake in it, they have ownership of it. And so that when it's built, it's going to be awesome because they built it. Not me, not not administrators who see dollar signs, but the students who actually love it, this more organic growth. And I think that's one of the keys to success.
2: Absolutely. It's like it's for them. It's You're not benefiting from it. It's not a school getting all these millions of dollars for the NCA March Madness tournaments. It's sure. going to set up these amazing opportunities for you to play with people that enjoy similar things as you and have these great experiences that might not have happened if we didn't invest the time and resources in creating these clubs and activities.
3: Sure. And I tell my students, I'm like, you know, I'm creating what I wish was around 20 years ago when I was in college at your age. And I had, when I was in the eighties, as a little kid, I had this at arcades, what we're trying to now recreate as esports. that that's what arcades were in the eighties. There were competitions. People were trying to get the highest score in a game and it was based on whoever lived in your area and was playing on that machine and kids hung out at the arcade. It was a cool place to be. And that's, that's what esports is becoming. We're bringing that back. And it's really cool to see.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, I like to end each episode with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch?
3: My favorite game to watch is League of Legends. And that's because I'm a League of Legends player and I love League of Legends, but you know, I can watch a lot of lot of games and i'm a big halo fan so i love watching halo as well
2: awesome so what's your favorite game to play
3: well that's also league of legends i I keep trying to get away from it and play something else and i can i can kind of get into another game but i every time i come back to league i'm like oh yeah this is why i love this game it's awesome
2: okay i definitely understand that so who's your favorite video game character
3: Oh, favorite video game character. Jeez, I would have to go back to the very, <laughs> very, very, very early games, almost even to Atari, the little square that I used to play out in Adventure, which is one of my favorite all-time games. Adventure, you were this little square who would run around and kill dragons and collect keys. It's probably one of my all-time favorite characters. In uh, There's a programming game called Logo. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And in Logo, it was basically this computer game in the uh, early '80s, and you would enter in coordinates, and this little turtle, which was this little triangle, would draw a shape on the screen. I love that turtle and Pac-Man. Pac-Man's very classic for me. Okay,
2: so I- I'm definitely not familiar with the turtle, but Pac-Man, we can definitely. <laughs> I-, I can go, I can vibe with that one. Yes. So you know, Lauren, thank you so much.
0: Yeah,
2: this yeah is definitely. This was great. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell everybody where they can find
1: you.
3: Yeah, so you can find me at my website, uh, raypastore.com, R-A-Y-P-A-S-T-O-R-E.com. You can search me, Google me. I am all over the web, so you can find me there. Also, if you just type in UNCW Esports, you'll find me there as well and learn about UNCW Esports in the process.
2: Exactly, check them out. They're doing some amazing things down there in Williamton. So thanks everybody again for tuning in. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.